hello, or as the Dutch say, hello, and welcome back to Total Fool Ball. If you've listened to episode one, welcome back. If you haven't listened to episode one, you can probably just start here and you won't be lost. This is not like uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. You can just jump in wherever you want, and we're happy to have you here. So thanks for joining, and as always, and by as always, I mean two out of two times, I am joined by my cohorts, Ben Mena and Neil Monroe. Fellas, how are you doing tonight? Doing pretty good, doing pretty good. Doing great, glad to be here. Hello, everyone. It's It's been uh, an action-packed week in the lives of these Dutch teams that we're following, Um if you haven't listened to the first episode, definitely go check out that portion at least and understand why we're following the teams that we're following and what the whole project is here on Total Full Ball. Uh, but as much as we love the the newly promoted teams that we are covering this season, there was so much more happening with the big three that we're going to kind of spend a lot more time talking about them. That is not something we'll fall into usually because we want to give the balance to the top and the bottom, but of as there were some matches of consequence involving the big three teams, we want to start there. Uh, as you may or may not know, the Dutch Super Cup was last Friday, and it was quite the quite the match. Uh, with PSV netting out one nil victors, uh, much to my chagrin, much to Ben's joy. Uh, and Ben, I know you were, I think, the only one who was able to actually watch the match. My the goal TV doesn't exist on Fubo anymore, and my mm-hmm. ad blocker prevented any sort of other stream going on. So I watched via highlights. But Ben, you were able to watch the match live. What were your impressions, <laughs> thoughts, gloating? You, you just just take it away. I'll get the gloating out of the way in that my estimations for how the game was going to go were pretty close. It wasn't quite a 2-1, but it was a close game where it was the 1-0. Um, but I I did also think that both teams, um, this is where I was incorrect. I thought they would look both a little rusty um, off the bat, but I feel like between them, they both showed pretty pretty clear like passing lanes and, and showed real promise in their systems. Um, obviously, Feyenoord didn't really hold up at the end because PSV um, made a bigger uh, presence throughout the game by retaining possession and really kind of after that goal as well, knocking you know the the air out of PSV to, uh, out of uh, sorry PSV Feyenoord to a small extent. Um, I had a few notes on their, you know, on their systems, on how they set up. So PSV went with a traditional 4-3-3, whereas Feyenoord ran with a 4-2-3-1. Um, their Feyenoord's counter in a system like a 4-2-3-1 um, obviously showed very well. Um, they had a huge opportunity in the 10th minute that I was, you know, kind of, you know, heart in the throat kind of segment, but thankfully it did not go in. Um, but, um, as the game go- went on, PSV kind of got more settled and P- and Feyenoord was kind of happy to stay a little bit back and try to soak up some pressure. Um, but they both showed really good promise just in, as far as, you know, their, their playability and their systems. It, it was a very entertaining game to watch. And, you know, like some soccer games are, you know, even at a zero, zero, it was a very entertaining match. It doesn't have to be all goals um, because obviously both sides didn't show much in the clinical department. Um, But on PSV's end, why they had early struggles, I think they kept trying this over the top ball to Bakayoko from the left to the right um, that Feyenoord intercepted pretty easily most of the time. So obviously that didn't work. And um, what really changed the game is, they brought on a uh, younger player. I think it was Cybori for PSV um, because Noah uh, Long, I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce his last name. Noah Long was kind of, you know, irrepressible the whole game. He looks an amazing signing for PSV and really complements the system they, they are working with. And he connected on a cutback from Cybori 
and buried the only chance of the game and you know really shut up the crowd that really hate him because he's an ex ix guy so so i want to cut in here because i i take umbrage with the phrase cut back from siberia that was a shank he was absolutely trying to shoot that and he messed up and backheeled it unintentionally to Noah Long. I refuse. That was not intentional, and <laughs> I will not stand for any compliments to that assist. I second that. I, I did watch the highlights, and absolutely, you're right, Level. That was a shank. Well, I'll take I'll take a shank for a goal, then you know, no goal at all. So, I mean, it ended up with a net positive for you, but it, it to lose like that i mean i'll take it it was it i don't think he would have scored had he made that contact he was kind of a little too close to the keeper in my opinion uh mm -hmm. he also clearly doesn't have the technique to finish from that if he backheeled that it was a great no look pass because he was looking right at the corner where he wanted to shoot but yeah I, so i it was it was a lovely finish but neil i know you mentioned you watched the highlights did anything stand out as a as an impartial slash hater of both teams at this point I have to say I was impressed, like Ben said, by the general play of both sides. Feyenoord look incredible in the middle of the park, um, just passing it around. They're so neat and tidy. They also were unfortunate, I would say, where they, they scored a beautiful, incredible goal. Um, <clears throat> it was, uh, was it Igor Paichao? Paichao, Paicho. They were saying it, Paicho. So I believe I've been put in my place as last week I called him Paichao. I, he's Brazilian and there's an AO, so I want to say Pai, Pai Chao, Pai Zhao. Um, I mean, he was making me say AO, watching him tear it yeah, up right out there he on was, the field. That was, that was, there were some great passing moves uh, at the beginning of that play, and they moved it forward very, very quickly, and he glided in from the wing, struck a fantastic shot, went into the goal off the inside of the post. Uh, that, was, that was slick. And moments later, PSV had their own nice little move. Uh, with a disallowed goal, but <clears throat> I was impressed by Feyenoord in the middle of the park. Uh, I don't know if they will have the same clinical finishing up front this season, but they're certainly going to be fun to watch. They play a fairly nice brand of football, and also PSV, I kind of thought in my head ahead of the game, similar kind of thing to how they started, lots of long balls over the top, um, but I was very impressed with Johan Bakayoko and also Isaac Babadi, I think they're both incredible on the ball. Uh, they're young, they're lively, and they're. I think they're going to complement Luke de Jong nicely this season, especially with Xavi, Xavi Simons not being there. So um, shout out to both teams. Good good performances. And I'm sure PSV will think this is going to tee them up nicely for the season, but they did also win the same fixture last year and the year before. So mm -hmm. not necessarily... Um, indicative that they're going to run away with the title this year, but I think it was a great advert for for the game. Yeah, as far as most supporter shield slash that kind of competition goes, it's not wholly indicative of how the season's going to go. So, you know, some of the community shields in like the Premier League or the Spanish League or even like uh, is it called the Supercoppa Italia in Italy, something like that. Um, most of those competitions are like, you know, both teams usually have an impetuous to win because it's just a nice piece of silverware. Um, but obviously Mickey Mouse Cup gets thrown thrown out a lot because it's just one competition. Um, but at the same time, it's a good, good way for each team to kind of test each other out. And I do think Feyenoord will probably take a lot of notes from that game and say, well, we, we were unlucky on the night, but at the same time, like, we can – try to find those areas that PSV were a little bit lacking and exploit those next time during, you know, league play. Yeah. Honestly, I thought this match kind of came down to just two things. One, Santi Jimenez's lack of sharpness. I, I think it really showed a lot more than I thought it was going to that he came back late from the gold cup. He just looked a little heavy, a little leggy. Yeah. Not quite up to of, it. His lack of speed really hurt him a few times on a, on a few actually good chances from through balls. Sorry to cut in there. No, no. I mean, you could see there were times where he wanted to accelerate and last season or even in the gold cup would have accelerated away and gotten that extra step and made the finish, but he just couldn't do it. 
there were crosses that came in that he just couldn't get good contact on. And I mean, he had enough chances and half chances by himself to probably win the match. It was just, he was late from preseason and it showed. And then, I mean, you, you called out Noah Long. He was by far the standout player from this match, but we'll probably be saying that a lot this season. He's an incredible player. Uh, and this, <laughs> we may be talking about him going the Shabby Simons route maybe in January, uh, depending on yeah. those performances. But he won his 1v1 battle against Pedersen, and Pedersen was not even close. Like, it, it just, that was where everything broke down. Um, it was kind of happening on the other side uh, with uh, sorry, what it was, uh, was uh, once Lopez came on, he didn't help Hart the hole that Hartman left. It, mm -hmm. it was just Bakayoko was tearing him apart because of his just he's just electric. And so the wing play, but Long mm -hmm. in particular was the one that stood out because he was not just beating his man 1v1. He was pulling all the strings. Um, yeah. to, Neil, to your point, like I was fully expecting to come back and watch these highlights and be like, Oh, coach Koo, that hole has not been filled. But I thought Calvin Stangs did a fantastic job of filling the hole. He was anything dangerous. He was at the heart of most of the time, whether it was yeah. kind of the, the pass before the pass or kind of taking someone on getting to the end line and crossing something in for Jimenez to shank the shot. So, I, I mean, I thought he was fantastic. I thought our midfield looked set. Uh, it just, I, I'm excited to see how that grows on and on. And yeah, I mean, we, we could have won this match in the first 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's just a shame to see it go that way, but a well-fought victory. And uh, then I'm sure you're very excited to have someone like Noah Long in the team. Very, especially after, like we've all mentioned multiple times, the departure of Chavi Simons um, that affects the team pretty heavily, but um, it was great to see uh, Babadi and a few of the other younger players really step up in this game. Bakayoko took a little bit trying to get into the game more than anything else, um, but he kind of got his feet settled. Um, and luckily, both sides of the coin there that Long was just electric off the bat. So he was kind of holding that side of Feyenoord at bay, um, causing them problems while Bakayoko was taking a little bit of time to warm up on his side, but once they got going, that got going. And, but on the whole, I felt like both sides had pretty clear chances. We, every time, uh, Stangs, Stangs, uh, Stangs, 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 every time he had the ball, I was just like, please God, don't let him get anywhere close to goal. Cause he was definitely the danger man throughout. Um, because he could just pick a pass or he would, you know, kind of have that unfortunately unclinical eye, but, he was really pulling all the strings and I was making, tr hoping that our team would swallow him up enough or often the case foul him enough to throw him off his game. So I, I did have a question for you, Ben, about what you thought of PSV's defending, because I did notice Feyenoord were not particularly clinical, but they were creating chances. And yeah. without trying to dive too far ahead, I also watched highlights of the, of the European game midweek, and although they absolutely walloped Sturmgratz, if mm -hmm. Sturmgratz knew how to finish a chance, they they could have had success in that game. So I've personally not been overly impressed in the two, again, not even watched a full match, but the highlights of, of PSV, I see a lot of chances being created against them. Yeah. I wondered what your thoughts were. I think uh, I've never been a huge fan of Patrick Van Aanholt. I don't think he's... I think going forward, he's pretty decent. He's just a, he's kind of a serviceable like wingback, but as far as actually defending on that side, I've never been really enthused with his defending. And every time I'd watch a premier league game and he was on, you know, I think it was crystal palace where he was there yeah. for a long time. And every time I'm like, Oh good. He, he's in the game. <laughs> so the other team could have a chance to actually score a goal, but, um, but at the same time, I felt like I don't know if our center back pairing is working out as well so far. I think um, of anything, Romalio is doing like the majority of the work. Um, we'll see how it goes. Maybe they just need more time. I know that um, I didn't get to see a whole lot of the games last time, and it's hard to kind of look things up otherwise, but 
Um, we'll see how they go from here. I just not hundred percent sold on the defense yet, but maybe that just needs time to adapt to um, a new system, I guess. So we'll yeah, see. I think, I think on the flip side too, if that was her Troida's last match for Feyenoord, because it seems like Leipzig or circling, I think that would be a fair way to go out. I didn't think he did all that much wrong. I thought he and Hunchko were pretty solid in the back and really the only times where things started to fall apart were when we had our fullbacks forward and long in particular beat his man and had 40 yards of space in front of him. And then everyone was having to shift to cover. So I think if that were to be his last match, it would be more than solid enough to go out on. I'd be very curious to see what we did with the money to replace him, obviously. Um, But I thought our defense was actually more solid despite losing would really it just kind of came down to the star quality shining through and being clinical when it mattered the most and thankfully shanking a shot so that it fell right to someone who was in a better position that's neither here nor there um but i it was an exciting match Uh, It was pretty sad to have to watch it via highlights but you know it's kind of it's kind of interesting to that's the first first experience of the season and not just because i was busy but because there was really no other way as someone who values their information online and has an ad blocker to, to watch beyond the, the getting a bit creative. So, I, I mean, the highlights were long, which not know along, but like length long. Yeah. So that there, there were really good highlights online. They were really long. And also, you know, like a lot of the highlights I've been watching with Dutch commentary, which helps a little bit where you're like, Oh, that's, that's how you pronounce that name or yeah. that combination of letters together. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I think it'll be a, a real landmark occasion in this podcast history when all of us transition to calling them PSV, not PSV. I think that will be kind of our full immersion into the Eredivisie because it it just it hits weird as someone who has been saying PSV for so long. PSV sounds like I'm trying to like shrink Payless. Or something like that, or like I'm a like a valley girl or something. <laughs> yeah, that's probably closer to it. But you're not. I I don't know. That, that remains to be seen. Tune in next week to find out if you learn anything more or not about me being a valley girl. Uh, but another team that we know how to pronounce correctly uh, played this weekend, and Neil, don't think we forgot about you. Your team, Ajax. I asked. I knew you were gonna. I knew you were gonna. <laughs> it, it was transparent, but it still worked. Yeah, it's still uh, there. they it's had still there. their final preparations for. Yeah, their we don't. Season, we don't have to talk about that. Let's... Are you sure? Because we kind of do. <laughs> well, no, we, if, if we Alex can, if Alex can get through a humiliating one-zero defeat to another member of this podcast team, you can go through a humiliating defeat on the part of Ajax. Yes, so I explained I explained Borussia Dortmund this weekend and they lost the game 3-1 but they really were never at any stage particularly in the game. Uh they looked they looked fairly sloppy. Dortmund had their number all day long. Um the possession stats were fairly insane. Dortmund was something like 60% possession just kind of running away with it. Um <clears throat> of course it is still a preseason friendly. It's not it's not the be all and end all, but they were really dominated, and the defense—they're really lacking experience in defense. So there was one established centre back playing, and that was uh, Yoral Hato, who is seventeen years old. Who's yeah. pretty much the only established centre back at the club at this point in time, or or was I would say. There's a. Uh, <clears throat> There's a young Turkish player, I'm probably going to butcher his name, but I think it's like Amachan Kaplan, who was signed a year ago, but has been injured the whole time. I, I actually don't even know what the injury is. I just know he signed from Trabzonspor and he's been out for a season. So he's on the books, but hasn't played a game. So Hato is pretty much doing his own there, 17 years old. The entire back line, there was nobody over the age of 21. So not a great amount of experience. However, they have signed one, almost two centre-backs, which is kind of good news for them. 
Um, so Yakov Medic signed from St. Pauli in Germany for around about 3 million euros. He's 24 years old, big, strong uh, Croatian centre-back, uh, not, not vastly experienced. Again, he is only 24 years old, uh, but he, he's at least a signing and a, an addition, so I would like to see if he turns out to be a, a player or not. And possibly along, and he came off the bench to make his debut at the weekend as well. Probably not the most fun run out, but still getting some, getting some, some preseason fitness there and gelling with the team a little bit before before coming out. And uh, today, I did see that Ajax have agreed terms with Dinamo Zagreb for twenty million euros for Josip Sutalo. So another Croatian centre back, and I do wonder if that was the plan all along to get the two of them together. Um, he's only 23 years old, but he is more experienced. He has eight caps for the national side. He went to the World Cup, but he he didn't feature until the third place playoff when they defeated Morocco 2-1. Um, so terms have been agreed for that signing, but he's not with the club yet, and it looks like he's maybe going to hang around and try and help Zagreb get through the their European playoff games first. Um, so anyway, play them. <laughs> yes. So... That's the uh, that's the background on the defence. Uh, so it's not really a surprise that a team like Dortmund could slice you up and just no real no real experience at the back for for Ajax. Uh, I did I did discuss Brian Broby Broby last week and how I I I said he's not a natural finisher, but he scored an incredible goal <laughs> at the weekend. So you know I have to give him props. It was uh, it was just an instinctive finish. It was a great goal and a bit of consolation for Ajax. And this, I watched an interview with Morris Stein and he was talking about the club and their transfer policy. And he was saying essentially that they're not rushing into anything. They have targets. They want to stick to those targets. They're not just going to sign anybody in a rush. And I think Josip Sutalo might have been one of the players he was he was referencing. So there may be a couple more faces to come in. Going forward, Ajax have plenty, plenty of quality. They've got an abundance of talent in attacking midfield. Um, and they do have Broby up front, who is not, he's not terrible by any means. Um, but the, if there are, if these new faces come in at the back, maybe they can shore up the defense a little bit. And uh, yeah, maybe they've got plenty to play for this season, but wasn't a great performance against Dortmund. It's kind of hard to judge them on that, but Dortmund were really just waltzing through really I think the third goal in particular was it was absolutely shambolic. It was <laughs> it looked it was... like a training match. And I mean, it was <laughs> an interesting approach for Ajax to help the Dortmund faithful warm up to Felix Mecha since they were so opposed to signing him. And then after those two goals, they seem more open to him. I, I do think it's interesting too that you took the approach of like conceding to, to Brian Brobby because I thought he was just he wasted so many chances uh and really took his chance to hurt alexander meyer more than finish the like he could have tied the game by himself i think he, he could have and this is one of the reasons why i don't believe he's a particularly great player he 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 gives me emil heskey vibes he he's in a creative attacking ajax side with lots of talent around him He's gonna grab goals. There's gonna be, there are gonna be defenders swarming all over Steven Bergwijn. <laughs> the ball's gonna break to him, and he's gonna get goals. Uh, he is. He's big. He's strong. He's athletic. He's quick. He'll get in behind. Um, he's he's gonna score goals, but he's going to waste an awful lot of chances. And that's that was my assessment before we even started this podcast. It's still my assessment. But when you score a nice goal, as he did at the weekend, I will say. That was a nice finish, but yeah, definitely a very wasteful striker. And when he is, he's your only real out and out striker on the books. That's uh, that's not great. Yeah. Stevie Bergwijn, who I did just mention, though he has been named as the new captain for the season. Uh, that's really cool. Really excited for him. I saw a really nice tweet from Ajax as well, where they they had a photograph of him as a kid, and okay. it was like their futures team, and it was Captain Stevie, and now he is the captain. He already contributed a huge amount last season. In all competitions, he scored 16 goals. He 
he bagged six assists and obviously in general play was just really influential for them and he seems like the kind of player to me that's going to wear that armband and it's going to make him even better and he'll contribute even more that's my that's my hope for him and it's it's interesting that he hasn't really gotten the same treatment that Noah Long did uh for being an ex PSV player <laughs> joining Ajax like there there wasn't that same level of booze uh which I which I find interesting um but Ben did you get to watch this game at all or the highlights or anything related to it did you have any thoughts uh I was not able to watch any games on Saturday um because I was going to watch uh Pexwell play against growing in um but i also did not have a chance to see that but from what i caught post fact yeah i kind of agree with the assessment that the scoreline is a little bit more uh gives a lot of leeway to ix because 3-1 could be oh kind of game got kind of out of hand at certain points or but in this in this case dortmund really kind of ran away with it and it really should have been like four or five to almost nil at a certain point. Um, so for Ix to even pull one back was kind of a miracle in itself. <laughs> but an away goal, the away goal in in the friendly that does not have a return leg. <laughs> yeah, and and one player I forgot to mention actually. Just keep talking about Ix transfers. Um, Mohamed Kudus played. You preempted my question. <laughs> there my we question go. was going to be, why did he play, having agreed terms with Brighton for his transfer? I was wondering if that might be your question. I should have waited for it. But yes, Mohamed Kudus played. There had already, during the week, um, Brighton and Ajax had agreed to a deal somewhere around about $35 million was was being quoted. I think that includes add-ons. Um, but this this saga rolls on. I found it really strange when he played at the weekend. <clears throat> He's also being rumored to be in the, the plans to line up against Heracles this weekend. And the deal has stalled. And it seems like the deal has stalled because he's not agreed to personal terms with Brighton yet. And I believe the sticking point is he would like to have a release clause in his contract and they are not particularly keen on that. Um, it it seems like maybe one of the other teams that are interested could still swoop in at the last moment and, and nab him. There's been a lot of links with Arsenal and Chelsea, amongst others. I have to say, and this is just me personally, it's very easy to sit here and talk hypothetically, but if I were Mohamed Kudus, if I were a gifted young footballer who had won league titles with Ajax, who had scored goals against the mighty Glasgow Rangers, amongst others, in the UEFA Champions League, starred at the World Cup for Ghana. And you're being linked with moves to the English Premier League. You're being linked with Manchester United, Arsenal, Chelsea, teams of that ilk. If my agent came to me and said, hey, I got you the big move. You're going to Brighton. I don't know how enthusiastic I would be. And I, I know it's a big league and any team in there, you know, you're, you're playing on a certain platform. He's already been linked with these big teams. He is already playing for a large club where he has success. I'm sure Brighton would offer a very good contract and they're by no means a bad football team. But Ajax are a huge club. And I would personally be wanting to leave a huge club for another huge club. And... You can sign for a club like Brighton and possibly hope to get that bigger move, but he's already on the cusp of that. So I don't know. Well, I think Ajax probably want to sell. They probably want that money. And he did for what it's worth. He turned down a contract extension earlier this year. They'd offered an extension to 2025, but he, he turned that down. He wants to leave, but it seems like he maybe wants a specific move or to have options open beyond, beyond this. So who knows? Maybe he's going to play this weekend. Maybe he'll stay all season. I mean, let's see how the fixtures line up. He could play for Ajax and then leave and go to Chelsea and then play against Liverpool the next day. Uh, that is entirely possible. Also, uh, I mean, being linked between Brighton and Chelsea, I don't know why you'd want to go to the mid-table club in that scenario. Uh, I think you'd definitely want to take Brighton over Chelsea. Yeah. Um, and also, does, does do the facilities even accommodate you 
at Chelsea at this point when they have, uh, what is it, 67,000 players on their roster? Uh, I think or, it a bit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he might have to go to the Strasbourg locker room and then fly in for matches, but I, also, I thought it was – Oh, sorry. Also, when they're, when they're legitimately bidding for Kylian Mbappe, which is the – just such a strange timeline we're in that Chelsea's just trying to buy anybody on the market. Um, like if they're looking at players like that, I don't know why they you would want to even like in, invite the possibility of going there and possibly being locked to a long-term contract where you're not going to get anything out of it. You're just going to sit on the bench the whole time. Well, I guess, I mean, you get a good salary, but at the same time, it seems like he probably wants to get some playing time. Oh, I absolutely that's absolutely great, and we should all want playing time. Uh, that's <laughs> that. That's the most important thing. But do, do either of you see my point? Do you, do you see where I'm coming from at all in terms of stature of club and what you're doing with your career? Yeah. Or are we all in the I, whole wide world just so enamored with anyone that is features in the Premier League? I know so, Chelsea are not in a great place, but they are. They are a large club historically. They've won European yeah. cups. They have won Premier League titles. They are a big club. So I agree with your point. Um, as much as I'm a fan of watching Brighton and seeing their system and how well they play together and you know, even getting big results against a lot of the quote-unquote bigger teams in the Premier League, um, I can see wanting to make the step there if you're at a team like, say, in the Austrian League or like the Belgian league or something like that. I feel like those are kind of the step below the Netherlands as far as, you know, quality of league goes. But yeah, I kind of agree with your point that Ajax is kind of the bigger club for me between that and Brighton. I feel like, yes, they probably won't pay as much as a premier league club will, and you won't get as much exposure, but I feel like the, quality of play yeah it almost seems like a sidestep and at the same time i feel like he's probably going to get more of a like a role at ix than he would elsewhere and that's not to say developmentally he's not going to increase at brighton if he goes but i don't know it's just it's one of those calls that i don't know if i would make i i think a, a club like their opponent Dortmund would actually be a perfect step for someone like Kudus. I think a lot of young talent tends to be enamored by the allure of the Premier League and the incredible wages on offer, and they tend to go there too early. And they, I mean, the 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 landscape is ever shifting. Your manager is either sacked, your manager is either poached by someone else. Especially at a club like Brighton, he could very well be out of the plans very quickly because someone like Deserbi is replacing someone like Pochettino at Chelsea uh, and so on. I mean, it's just a, a constant, there's a revolving door. There's not enough time for people to really settle in unless it's one of those clubs where there's someone that just is the club uh, and you have that time to bet in or you're someone identified by a new manager uh, and you're, you're, you're getting his trust immediately. You're coming in to be one of his boys at his new club. So I, I hate to see that happen a lot. I, I look at someone like Jaden Sancho, who I think did that exact thing, even though he followed the path that I'm suggesting and then went to the big club. I think it still happened a bit too quickly. And I would hate to see that happen to someone like Kudos because he is so good. Um, and it would be a shame to see him buried on the bench or just, like just struggling to settle in because he's still just a kid and there's still so much of his career ahead of him that right. I, I don't want to see his growth stunted by the, the demands of must win football in England each week. Yeah. Um, and, and speaking of wins uh, back to PSV in the champions league qualifiers. Uh, I, I know we touched I do on want to mention just as a passing, because we did say like, I'm going to mention that Peck did play that friendly against Growingen, and it was a scintillating 0-0 draw. Um, didn't get to see anything from it, but from what I assume, it's just preseason, you know, kind of like getting the, uh, oh, what's the word for it? 
kind of getting the the cobwebs out. So, um, but yeah, that I mean, that's how that went to a certain degree. It's good that we were able to give a shout to uh, one of our other teams ahead of our predictions for the first round. And it will be brief, but uh, Neil, I will give you props. I know you shouted out uh, Benjamin Tahirovich. I thought he was one of Ajax's better performers in the friendly. I'm looking forward to seeing him play more. But as I'd already segued, I don't think we can go back too far. Uh, So we will continue on to talk about PSV's big win in the Champions League qualifiers. Ben, how was that? Fan, how was that fantastic win for you? I was, I, I didn't spend a whole lot of time writing just because um, sometimes when I'm writing notes, I'm just like, okay, I, I noticed this here and there, but it was just a sweeping, like, it could have been far larger of a scoreline, but they just absolutely crushed Sturmgrass. And that's um, not to say that Sturm didn't put up any of a fight because they did, did claw one back and it was, like we mentioned earlier, through some pretty suspect defending where um, their player was left unmarked in the box to get a free header. Um, but other than that, they were firing on all cylinders. Luke de Jong with a with a great double. He could have had three at a certain point. I kind of kind of was hoping he would get a hat trick. I always like I always like Luke de Goal. He's really he's just a a great leader and kind of a good guy in in general. Um, but again, I, I mean, the standout player, even though Luke got two was, was long, he drove every single attack. Um, he was pulling all the strings to such a, such an amazing degree that it was like, this guy's just everywhere. He would be on the right hand side, helping Bakayoko with build up play. And then suddenly he'd be taking on the right back on his preferred left hand side. And then at certain points I saw him coming back to like defend and grab possession back for PSV. I think he's going to be probably our standout player of the season. I hope he doesn't go the way of Chavi Simons and, or Gakpo and just leave before the, you know, January transfer window or during the January transfer window. But um, yeah, there were just so many amazing chances and I mean, we just dominated possession off the bat. And, you know, Babadi had an amazing game. Uh, Luke de Jong had a really great game. Bakayoko had a really great game. It was just all around a, a lot cleaner of a victory than it was playing against a club like Feyenoord. But, um, yeah, it was a really fun game to watch. I will say my final point on the game is the I noticed the refereeing was definitely stepping up, and this is something we forgot to mention in the Super Cup game, where the refereeing in the Super Cup game w- was amazing. It flowed. Yeah, we're so not well. used to that, and we're not used to you know cruddy referees just you know making it all about themselves, and you know whistling at at every single little like tug and tackle, and. That's what I we came back to when I watched the Champions League game. I was like, well, both these teams seemed like they could just play each other in a normal match without as much fouling, foul, you know, foul count or whatever it was. Um, I feel like the referee intervened way too much. Like, just people would just fall down and he would call a foul. And I'm sure at some point he probably saw somebody in the crowd fall down and he just called that on a foul for whatever team he just felt like looking at at the time. And I feel like that wasn't the case with the Super Cup game, which was, I feel like, a far more physical game than the one I watched on Tuesday. But it wasn't like a come-to-blows kind of game. And there were a few things here and there with uh, certain tackles and stuff. I was like, okay, that's... That needs to be called. That needs to be a yellow. But at the same time, I just did not like, you know, returning to Champions League and more wider refereeing is just, I don't know. Not, I'm not a big fan of it. But other than that, PSV winning 4-1, to pretty good start moving into the season. I, yeah, I actually thought the Ajax-Dortmund friendly was more, like, heated and 
like less controlled than the super cup the super cup was kind of the perfect like it's a derby let them play but don't let them get out of hand kind of situation yeah uh, i feel like the friendly was not that uh, i feel like this champions league match was not that uh and then it but it kind of benefited you in the sense that you were able to score a lot of goals off of set pieces uh yeah. so so that worked out nicely but neil i know you brought up that you think PSV's defense quote sucks. I think is that what you said? Uh, or was there any cause for con- you think that uh, Ben should be concerned about? Well, I, I they just look so good looking forward and yeah. a little more suspect at the back. And I, I just wondered, especially I did not watch the full the full games, so it's yeah. hard to to really comment. And the same with refereeing. I think that's a great call out from Ben, and I think that's uh, that's an interesting point. It's something I want to keep an eye on this season and see. And I really hope that's a sign of refereeing throughout the league and the, letting the game flow. Um, but, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, but, but back, back to the defending, it just, it seemed like, and aside from the goal where, where it, he, you said he was completely unmarked and, and that is right. I think he outjumped four or five people around about him to score for Sturmgratz. And uh, there were a lot of balls getting into the box. There were a lot of chances created and, it seemed like they were fluffing their lines a little bit, Sturmgratz. And sometimes you get those games where you know you're not fighting the sharpest team and you're you're kind of going all out of attack and you say, okay, we'll give up a couple of chances. And it's it's like the old Real Madrid Galacticos era where we'll outscore you. Yeah. So maybe there's a touch of that. But, but I was watching those chances being created and thinking, okay, there's you can get a goal against them. Um, but I will not have as much insight as Ben because highlights can really warp your perspective on these things. Sterngrass, it was a pretty open game overall. Um, I think you're correct that PSV was definitely playing the more attacking point of view because they're just like, well, we got Long and we got Bakayoko firing on all cylinders, so we might as well just throw him forward and see what happens. And um, But yeah, for that goal, he was completely unmarked and... Um, not even for crosses or set pieces or anything like that, but there would be multiple times that that a Sturmgrass player was unmarked, like moving in, moving near the 18-yard box, and I would just be like, "Where's our defense? Like they're just hanging out, like reading the paper or something." And luckily, they you know spurned a, quite a few of their own chances. So, um, without them shooting themselves in the foot, I don't know, like that game could have been a lot closer than it ended up being. But simultaneously, maybe we just put them off by scoring a lot. It's just hard to tell how, you know, a goal really affects the morale. And especially with, I would say, the midfield being as sweeping as it was, there were multiple combination plays of, like, you know, the classic one-two, but kind of felt different because it was inverted because they would do a one-two, but then they would revert around and then they would pass it wide instead of following the one-two, or they would, or they would make as uh, Alex and I joke about something in FIFA called the square technique, where they just like go in a square. They just turn it immediately, and then it's like, oh, you've got this wide open space because you just made three touches after doing a one-two, and here you are. And I feel like the midfield and the forward part of PSB. Um, so far, no notes. Um, defense, lots of notes. <laughs> um, I feel like that's so, always been a tenant of Peter Bosch teams. Like wherever yeah. he's been, or and he's tried to make the step up, he just hasn't been able to cut it because he just doesn't know how to coach the defensive side of, of his teams. And I, I know he had that run with Ajax early in his career, and that's kind of where it ultimately fell short because his defense just couldn't get it sorted out. Uh, against, I think that was Manchester United who, who will knock them out ultimately at that time. But are you a bit worried that those patterns are kind of cropping up already, or do you think that in uh, with the strength of the team that you have right now, with the experienced talent, the young talent, uh, and just like the enhanced budget that you have, like you'll be able to outscore whatever team except for maybe Feyenoord and Ajax and AZ? Um. So luckily when it comes to like this kind of possession football that I've been watching with PSV so far, 
it's not the kind of the just build up and build up and build up and look for the perfect chance. Um, they're not afraid to shoot. So um, we will get our chances and it does rely a lot on our attackers to take them. So I do think maybe we will run up a little bit on the scoring charts, at least maybe one, not one, but like two goals a game. It's not going to be a blowout every time, but I do think we'll be relying a lot on our attacking power. Um, yeah, I'm not totally convinced on the defense as of yet. We'll see, like you said, if those things start coming to a head again with a different team this time in PSV, but it's hard to tell at this point in time because when we see two real game, two games, one of them was a, you know, a super cup match versus Feyenoord, which is obviously, you know, a rival, but at the same time, that's sometimes the hardest games for like a bigger club are the games where they kind of take their foot off the gas. And especially against a club that is willing to sit back and invite pressure and then just hits you on that one to two counters and that's it. Yeah, I can I can see us running into a club that's maybe eight eighth place to like tenth place that kind of runs that strategy and just pins one to two on us and we lose and we drop some points or we drop points in a tie or something like that. So that's the only that's the main thing I'm concerned about is if we don't have the defensive steel to hold up. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see if that is a problem in the league. I, it kind of seems like that'll be more of a problem in whichever European competition you end up in. Uh, I mean, you're on pace to be in the Champions League for sure, uh, based on some of these performances. But that's where you get maybe that cut above, and it's just it's like playing fine order than IX every week. So that'll really be where the tests are. Um, no match for Feyenoord after the Super Cup, but we did secure the signing of Ayase Ueda, uh, Japanese international. Uh, pretty solid numbers for Circle Brugge last season. I didn't get to watch too much of them. They the the Belgian league is also on ESPN Plus, and that's kind of the only way to watch it. But they're even more limited than the Eredivisie, so Circle Brugge usually did not make the cut. Uh, but just looking at some of his his highlights, I mean, in any sort of compilation, skills compilation, you can make anybody look good. He's, he's a neat and tidy finisher. I think he'll add a lot. He's got a lot of national team call-ups. He's 24, so he's he's got a little bit of experience. He's not just some kid. Uh, so I think he'll be a solid squad addition. I still think we're lacking a bit of the star quality that we lost uh, with Kochku. I'm curious to see how that is replaced. And I, I keep saying that, but he was that next level of player, and I doubt we'll be able to bring someone like that in, but there's been some exciting links and I'm, I'm curious to see where they end up. Uh, I don't want to talk about them too much because I don't want to jinx them. And also they're just pure speculation at this point. Uh, but it, it will be, it, it Stangs is a good replacement, but I think we'll need more um, because the league starts this week. Uh, it's mm-hmm. insane that that's happening right now. It feels like the summer went away. It feels like preseason just started and here we are. Uh, so it, it, there's a lot to look forward to. And I think just looking chronologically, uh, but also not because we get a twofer with Neil's teams. Uh, so Neil, we'll start with you. What, what is your, what are your two teams fixtures looking like this week? Yeah, it's a pretty easy one. My, my two teams are playing each other. I against Heracles and I, I've already spoke about Ajax a little bit here and, and their preseason friendly, mainly spoke about their transfer policies. I'm really hoping to stop talking about Ajax and their transfer policies very soon. <clears throat> Heracles were also in action at the weekend. The I'm not sure if Google is just getting me confused. I do not speak Dutch. I've never seen this before. It seems like Heracles played twice on Saturday. Everything I see... Is, is telling me that they played two teams. They played Volendam and lost 3-1, and they played Helmond Sport and won 2-0. And I watched highlights of the game they won against Helmond. Um, they looked, you know, they looked reasonable. Uh, they did, both of these teams and most of the teams Heracles have played preseason have been from the the Erste Divisie, so the second division in in Holland, which they won last year. So 
I'm sure a club of this size, you're not going to go for a fancy, expensive foreign training camp in preseason. So they're at home. They've won most of their games. They lost one against Volendam. They won one against Helmond. Um, fairly neat and tidy in possession. Uh, I will shout out one of the players, um, Antonio Satriano. He had a lovely assist and then scored quite a nice header as well. So I immediately, without knowing a single thing about him, uh, checked him out online. He is a young Italian striker who signed for them in January from Roma. He came through the Roma Academy and he signed for 400,000 euros. Uh, he's he's young, he's pretty big, he's got a nice touch and he looked to be getting involved in most of, most of the successes for Heracles in that friendly, certainly. So... I would like to see more of him this season and, and see if he turns out to be a bit of a gem. So the game is going to be at the, the Johan Cruyff Arena, formerly the the Amsterdam Arena, now named after Ajax club legend, Johan Cruyff. Um, the game is going to be Saturday afternoon and you would expect a packed house there. Ajax are obviously going to be heavy favourites to win, but based on the fact that they... They have not looked spectacular preseason, and their defence hasn't quite been assembled yet. Heracles are riding a high from promotion. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick my neck out and say that they're gonna draw. It's gonna be one of those early season draws. Um, I think it might be a score draw because both teams can score goals. Neither of them are incredible defensively. <clears throat> I'll even name the goal, goal scorers. Why not? Uh, <laughs> Stephen Berghaus for for Ajax. And my my new my new main man Antonio Satriano for for Heracles. I'm, I'm but, a bit disappointed you didn't pick the Jackoff Jizz goal scoring combo in one of two times where that is a possibility. But you know I, I'll, I'll forgive you at some point. Yeah, maybe maybe that would have been better. Jackoff Medic and uh, Jizz Hornkamp, um, who I'd like to get both of them signed up sponsorship from OnlyFans. I think that's just uh, a trio made in heaven um. and for for those of you listening my joke was funny neil muted to laugh it wasn't just met with pure silence i have to say this is intentional because in our first show i listened back obviously and wanted to make sure we didn't sound like total fools and i could just hear well, that's myself what, that's our brand. chuckling along yeah yeah i could hear myself chuckling along constantly and i thought it's one thing if you can see the video and it's all ah, ha, ha, ha. i just could hear my little nasal sniffly laugh and i thought okay i'm going to mute when i'm when i'm chuckling in the background there even when it's incredibly funny alex incredibly <laughs> funny you heard it here okay, first alex I'll, I'll try to i'll try to laugh out loud next time for you perfect <laughs> also uh on Heracles, I did. I was looking at some of the some of the data from last season too, and this is fun because it pertains to to all of us. Um, so first of all, they did not by any means run away with the with the Erste Divisie title. They won <clears throat> my own team and Ben's pick Zola were tied on points, and Heracles won on goal difference. They scored a significantly larger amount of goals. Goals against were kind of similar. Um, and Pex Vola had actually been ahead up until three weeks before the end of the season. Uh, Heracles just had a really nice, they won six straight to end the season. They, they won, I think, nine or 10 out of the previous 12. They, they, they ended the season really strong. But two teams, I'll challenge you, two teams that, that Heracles failed to beat last season. Can you guess who? Uh, I'm going to say that it is both of the promoted teams. It's Almir and Pexvola. Correct. There was a, a 3-2 victory for Almir and a 1-1 draw. And Pexvola defeated Heracles 3-2 and 3-0. So we're not able to beat either of the other two promoted teams last season. So I think that was kind of interesting to me. And it shows that it shows that just because Heracles won, that doesn't mean they necessarily stand a better chance in the Eredivisie this summer. So um, fairly competitive. They just beat up on everybody else way better. Yes, although the the largest scoring game that I saw, and I can only imagine it was the largest scoring game, 
in the league last season. Pex Vola ran up a 13 nil victory <laughs> over Den Bosch. Oh, <laughs> and Heracles still scored more goals across the season, which is wild. That's that's pretty impressive. To Thirteen not, goals yeah. in one game like moves the needle significantly for goals for a <laughs> I mean, it wasn't that long ago when I did that in a top flight match as well. So I, maybe it'll be this one. Maybe they'll they'll tie thirteen to thirteen. Um, and for those keeping score at home, we're going to be keeping track of total predictions throughout the the run of the season, uh, guessing win loss draw. Uh, for our teams and kind of see who nets out to see who is the best at saying random stuff that is solely sort of based in reality prior to match weeks. Um, So Ben, for your picks, I I guess, again, starting chronologically, you've got a a kind of a tricky fixture with uh, PSV versus Utrecht. What are you looking forward to most in that match? Yeah. So Utrecht has been in the top seven of the Eredivisie since 2016, 2015. And they've been a tough fixture. Seems like every time. Um, So I'm, I'm guessing I might go out on a limb here, but I think PSV will probably pull this one out. It'll probably be, again, another close one where they pull out maybe a one or two nil victory, maybe two to one. Um, But I can't foresee Utrecht being a pushover by any means, considering they kind of hold their own against a lot of the other top clubs in the league. Um, And that's on the PSV front. I know that Peck is playing against... Uh, Sparta Rotterdam and as a newly promoted team and coming off the exhilarating high of a zero zero draw. Um, I don't know what I foresee for this one. It's probably, it's pretty hard, but I think, I think this might be one where they, they lose out off the bat. I think, I think Sparta will probably take a one zero away from it. It's probably one of those things where it's just one of those close games. But on that, I predict PSV win and a Peck loss. And if it's the inverse, I, I it, it very may, may well happen. But I'm not going to promise anything on that front because it is the start of the season, so anything could happen. Yeah, the first the first weekend is always interesting, uh, and it's going to be hard to stop uh, fellow American Taylor Booth playing for Utrecht. That should be. Uh, fun to see him play. Uh, I know Utrecht also had last year's Golden Boot winner Uvikas, who yeah. kind of that kind of has the go to one of our teams written all over it type of transfer. So I, I'm curious to see if he remains on their team for the remainder of the window. Uh, but that the, both of those matches are on Saturday. Uh, the Ajax Heracles match is also on Saturday. Just early viewing early kind of checking in it doesn't seem like any of those are going to be on espn plus i don't know if they will be sometimes espn kind of tosses them on but that's going to be interesting to see how you both follow those if they're not on streaming i know i know we found some creative solutions before but that right off the bat even with our the big team like uh psv versus utrecht kind of a marquee fixture that may or may not be be streaming so kind of a, an early challenge that kind of reinforces the the whole project we're going with here of trying to get into a, a league that may or may not be accessible for for people here uh the good news is that all of these kickoff times except for the early sunday kickoff are pretty amenable to the u.s central time viewing time i mean first kickoff on saturday 9 30 a.m late kickoff 2 p.m uh sunday's really where it gets tricky not looking forward to having to get up at 7 30 to watch Feyenoord Fortuna Sittard um Sittard is they're kind of mid-table dross if you could put it that way uh, for for Eredivisie but that said they did have some big results last season I don't want to necessarily call them kingmakers but I know for sure they stopped uh PSV uh, I can't remember if they stopped Ajax but they, they were able to get results uh in some against big fixtures they seem to take it up a level um that said i think all that we really need to fix is make jimenez a bit more sharp and we win this match comfortably uh so i am not 
expecting a loss. I'm expecting a win in this match. I do think it will be tough going. This kind of seems like a match where it's tough going for 60 minutes. We make the breakthrough and then things start to open up and you kind of finish with a comfortable victory. But the the score line belies how the match unfolded uh, a bit. So I'm going with a Feyenoord win in Mm -hmm. the first match of the day on Sunday. Um, And based on our predictions, it looks like Ajax will have some work to do. The title might already be gone if Ajax draw and both of our teams win. Uh, but to follow that up with the late kickoff, and by late kickoff, I mean 9.45 a.m. Central Time, oh, Almer City in their first Eredivisie match against FC Twente. That is a very big ask to start off your Eredivisie career. I don't see this going well, and I don't mean that like Almer City are going to be crushed, but I do think it will. that's when the reality of where they have ended up will be. I love that they're starting their Eredivisie career at home. Uh, the, all 4,500 people in that stadium will be bouncing. It should be a great, albeit kind of strange atmosphere. Uh, but I think that's where you will encounter kind of what it's like to be in the Eredivisie. I mean, Twente are no pushovers. They're in the conference league. They had a very solid season last season. Again, also got results against big teams in the league. I have some very quality players that maybe aren't quite at the, the level of like the big three that we're talking about and maybe not even on uh, AZ, but they're good and they're solid and they are tough to beat. And so I, I unfortunately think that Almir City, despite winning the kit battle in that match, will lose, but I think it will be a valiant effort and it will be something that the the town can be proud of to see their, their club making their Eredivisie debut and not get rolled over. Uh, so I'm going one win, one loss uh, for for my teams. And uh, above all else, I'm just excited to watch all of these. I, I know there are other leagues that kick off this weekend too, but uh, in full honesty, I am most excited to try to watch these matches. Even though mm-hmm. my quote-unquote main team, Liverpool, plays this weekend, I'm this is what I'm most excited to see. I don't know about y'all. Yeah, I agree. I, I know I've been watching pretty heavily with Barcelona as they go. And they obviously play on, uh, I think they'll be playing on Sunday. I think the um, La Liga starts, yeah, it starts on on this weekend. But I'm really excited to kind of delve into a new league in the sense that I don't really know much about the air to VC as a whole. To, so to see like all these other teams come in and just, you know, teams that I don't really know much about, like Sparta Rotterdam. I, I didn't know that they had a team called Sparta that was in Rotterdam. So it's very fascinating to me to see what their, what their history is like. And, you know, it's just going to be an interesting change of pace versus the very commercialized free whistles of La Liga where, you know, like I was saying before, you just touch a player and he falls over and it's a foul. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to get started. So, Yeah, me too. And especially with, with the two teams I'm following playing each other, that's that's just the ultimate start for me. And Alex, you mentioned, you know, what a great what a great way this is for Almir, Almir City to find out what the Eredivisie is all about. And, you know, the same for Heracles. They are playing Ajax and the Johan Cruyff, Johan Cruyff Arena. So that it, I'm sure that is going to be a, a packed, sold-out crowd. And uh, they could get blown away, of course, obviously. Uh, but it's, I think it's going to be fun to watch. And I'll be looking at all the scores and trying to watch highlights from as many games as I can or catch catch whatever I can. I, I've basically forgotten that there are any other leagues existing this weekend because the air to VCA is all that matters. <laughs> There's maybe one other match that might matter and definitely want to touch on them uh, based on our newfound love of all things Dutch. Uh, the Netherlands women's national team with probably the fixture of the round uh, in the quarterfinals of the women's world cup will be playing Spain. Uh, fellas, have you been able to watch much of 
the Women's World Cup. I know for us, the times have not necessarily been the most favorable, but have you seen either of uh, these teams play? I personally have not watched an awful lot of the games. I have been reading the... I've been reading the match reports and keeping an eye on the brackets to see who we're going through. Um, and of course, because we start this show, I'm going to be cheering on the Netherlands against Spain, and uh, maybe even tune in to maybe even tune in to watch that. Um, I'll wish them all the best. I don't have a personal stake with any nations in here, and I never never did, unlike the two of you. Um, but yeah, I, I'll I'll keep an eye on that. I'm about the same. Um, I think the hardest thing, as we mentioned, is just the time of the games, of the matches. It's just so early in the morning. You basically have to either wake up or spend all night just staying up, trying to watch the games. So um, I kind of want to see the Dutch take this one. Um, I'm a big fan of Spanish football in general, and I think they've made huge inroads for the women's teams, especially Barcelona's women's team has become so dominant. Um, but it would be good to see, I don't know. I, I kind of want to see just upsets and different kinds of storylines. Um, I don't know. Just be interesting to see the Dutch kind of pull one out for once because they lose every major competition ever. So, not in 1988. <laughs> Marco Van Basten again, incredible bully. That's true. But yeah, other than that, they they've never won a World Cup. So, yeah, Anquish finalists last time around. Uh, I think this will be a great match, and luckily for us, this is kind of one of the ones that falls in the evening. And there's been weird fixture times for us in Central Time US, where it's been like. 8 or 9 p.m. and then 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. So this is this one's at 8 p.m. tomorrow. So I'm very much looking forward to this one. I think it's going to be really good. I haven't been able to see too much of the tournament, but again, kind of just been following along. Um, I don't think the Dutch will win this one, but I would love it if they did. I think they, they are missing Daniela van de Donk, who is kind of one of their midfield powerhouses. I mean, she doesn't play like a powerhouse, but she's such an integral part of the team. Uh, and when you lose her and you're up against someone like Aitana Bonmati, I know Spain is all about like Alexia Putellas. She's the the Ballon d'Or winner on the women's game, but I think Bonmati is different gravy. I don't know what the equivalent expression is in the Netherlands. I, I don't know, like different chocolate. She is, uh, I don't know what else to say, but she, she's class so i i think that will be it'll be really fun but i do think spain spain was spain and japan are kind of my at this point the two teams that i think are destined for for glory in this tournament so very exciting to see uh what happens there uh let us know what you think is going to happen this week in eredivisie or at the women's world cup uh we'll be watching this episode will probably drop on the day of the match so if you tweet us afterwards with your predictions we'll know uh, we will find you. We're not falling for that one. But let us know at Total Foolball on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, would love to hear from all of you. Love to discuss all things Dutch football. Uh, and would really appreciate uh, if you do like this show and are listening to it to, to give us a review on any of the podcast platforms of your choice. It definitely helps us out, helps us reach more people, helps get spread the love of the Eredivisie. Um, so looking forward to watching these matches and hearing from all of you on that. Gentlemen, this was a very fun discussion, and I look forward to next week where we get to talk about uh, how the season is already gone and we need to look forward to a rebuild for next year or we're in it, the title is on, this is going to be the year of dreams. Uh, so thanks for joining today uh, and with all of your insight and humor. Yeah. Absolutely. We'll see you again next week. See you all next time. Have a good one, y'all.